This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Unlikable Female Characters, the podcast about women who don't give a damn if you like them. I'm Lane Fargo, and my guest today is a very exciting one. We are talking to Courtney Summers. Courtney is the author of several novels, including the New York Times bestseller, Sadie. And in 2018, Electric Literature proclaimed her a master of the bitch, which is about the greatest accolade I can personally imagine, <laughs> for her years of writing nuanced, wrenching stories about angry and unlikable girls. Her latest novel, I'm the Girl, is out September 13th. Welcome, Courtney. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is my kind of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been doing this show for almost four years now, and obviously your name has been often on our lips. Because... <laughs> <to my eye. laughs> I always want to be talked about with unlikability, like not my characters, just me. <laughs> yeah, I want to get into that too, because, okay, so I love your books. Your books are phenomenal, and Thank they do you. indeed have lots of unlikable female characters. But the other thing that I love about you and why I'm like a fan for life <laughs> is the way that you present yourself like on Instagram and talk about your own work. Like you're just the baddest bitch. You're just like, yeah, my books are amazing. Welcome to them. And I love that. And I'm also <laughs> one of those millennials that it's like scared to pick up the phone. It's a, a nice dichotomy. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone hates the phone. That's I valid. Monsters want to talk about Agreed. Phone. So I would love to talk about your approach to writing unlikable female characters and being an unlikable female character in real life. Just being like... <laughs> bold and talking about your work i thought everyone loved me what no <laughs> <laughs> i mean on this show unlikable female character is like the highest compliment that i know, you can give. I know. <laughs> i'm happy for it I, I'm, I'm so glad to be here it's just a moment for me so thank you we are happy to have you so why don't we talk a little bit about i'm the girl tell us a little bit about the book for people who haven't been seeing all the advanced buzz okay well um it's about a 16 year old girl named georgia avis who discovers the dead and brutalized body of a 13 year old girl named ashley james and she teams up with ashley's older sister nora to find and bring the killer to justice before he strikes again but their investigation throws georgia into a world of unimaginable privilege and wealth and without conscience or consequence and as Ashley's killer closes in Georgia will discover when money power and beauty rule it might not always be a matter of who's guilty but who is guiltiest it's a queer coming-of-age thriller and it's based very loosely on the Epstein case so it's a feel-good novel of the year feel-good novel of the year yes very very intense this book I was <laughs> I like to read before bed oh no you didn't I do that. Read your oh, book before bed God. no I couldn't I had to like 
put it down and get like a romance novel or something because I was just like I'm gonna have nightmares I need to read this in the light of day. I respect that <laughs> that's self-care and that's good behavior to model that is self-care yeah so this must have been a really intense writing process for you I saw in the little interview that's in your press kit that you were like sleeping a lot was, well, I mean none of us are sleeping much yeah, these that's days, true. but this couldn't have helped. it was a horrific writing experience I mean I was totally immersed in the Epstein case and victim testimony and all the court documents and the news and just everything and I was like the purpose of this even though I'm the girl is its own thing is to keep the humanity of the victims at the forefront because they went through hell just to be heard and you never want to lose sight of that because you don't want to sensationalize subject matter like this you want to keep the heart of it close you want to make sure that you're doing justice and honoring these experiences but it's so hard this is something I chose to do to myself for the sake of this book but it got to me I'd like wake up with these tiny little scratches all over my face and then at one point I had vertigo it was like okay (laughs) I'm doing something to myself that is not great but feels necessary so it was uh it was an experience that I'm not eager to repeat but I think was exactly what it needed to be at the time you don't have to suffer for your art but sometimes it happens sometimes it does whether you like it or not but I mean you can really feel that in this book like how much emotion and care and everything that you put into it because it's very deep in Georgia's POV as a teenage girl who is in this situation that she has like a teenage girl's understanding of that she doesn't understand all the power dynamics the way that an adult woman would and that makes it like as an adult woman super harrowing to read (laughs) you're like no don't do it but you like I mean I remember what it was like to be 16 and even in my 20s and you you just don't understand all the power dynamics that are at play and even when you do like I think it's so easy to stand back and say okay I wouldn't but when someone is lavishing attention and praise and positivity on you That's very compelling. Even when you are an adult, I wrote the Mm -hmm. book about the cults where everyone joined the cult before I'm the Girl was the project. And I'm always at the front of my mind is like, it's just someone coming along with the right word at the right time. I I don't think it really serves a book at any point to think that you're smarter than the person you're writing about or thinking that you're better than them. I never want to approach a book that way. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with these manipulative, powerful, mostly men. (laughs) They customize it to the victim. So they have a different way of approaching each person and no one's immune to that. We can all be manipulated. It just has to be the right approach for us. The project also disturbed me and I couldn't (laughs) read it before bed. Am I remembering right that you said on Twitter somewhere that you based the cult leader in that book like physically on Oscar Isaac? I did. I did. Yeah. He just had an Oscar Isaac vibe. And then when I had to make the Pinterest board for my publisher to, you know, get the vibe down and I had all these meticulously chosen images of like you know cult settings and locations and the mood and I picked one picture of Oscar Isaac and for the longest time anytime anyone went to my Pinterest it was like 500 pictures of Oscar Isaac I bring that up because my first book Temper centers around this psychopathic theater director who's manipulating <laughs> everyone and I also based him on Oscar Isaac God, the taste. <laughs> taste we have taste it's not a crime but what's so funny is like people will read temper and they'll be like oh he's the worst i can't believe these women fell for him i would never be so stupid and then i'll be like he looks like oscar isaac and they're like oh 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 oh, yeah (laughs) Yeah. okay (laughs) 10 out of 10 would join his cult i don't know that's you know that's interesting to me that you say that because it's something that I, i keep thinking about in terms of reading and response and the way that we empathize with characters who get into these kind of situations Do you find that you get this response where it's like, because a certain type of reader can't 
relate to the exact specific details of how someone's been taken in or manipulated or used and abused. They're like, well, it can't happen. There's just this moment where, like, that's where they stop. It's so interesting to be able to see where the point of empathy just stops. I find that fascinating. And they'll say it's unrealistic and temper as well. I based on a real life mm-hmm. case of a theater director who was manipulating people. These Unrealistic. That's like the like... most realistic. Yeah. Like it's oh, theater, theater. I know. <laughs> I love when I get reviews that are like, these people are so dramatic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you kidding? Theater kids? That's why they call them theater kids. Like that's, that's a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> what was really interesting in I'm the Girl is Georgia and Matthew, the powerful man in right. the book, she has this very strange power exchange kind of relationship with right. him and it's not sexual i mean it well i don't want to spoil anything but she's a lesbian right. so it's not that she's attracted to him it's not like me sitting here going well i would join oscar isaac's cult <laughs> <laughs> but that the attention like you said having this powerful man pay attention to her and tell her she's beautiful and tell her she's worthy even if there's not this sexual dimension where she's physically attracted to him like that is powerful right i mean well the book explores how patriarchal systems of power impact the way young women move through the world and how they feel about their bodies and you know we live in a patriarchy it sucks facts it sucks it's something that has been really interesting in the homophobic sense some of the feedback that I've been seeing about Georgia is that she says she's a lesbian, but she cares what a man thinks about her. And I'm like, do you know who holds power in this culture, yeah. in this society? She cares about Matthew's power. She cares about being perceived as powerful in relation to Matthew's power. It is so offensive to me to hear that statement said just as a queer person. So much of my own coming out journey was untangling myself from the patriarchy and then to write about that experience and then have people say well she can't be queer she cares about what a man thinks it's like really like really are you like can we like bring a little nuance into this conversation please yeah Yeah, it's so frustrating yeah because living in a patriarchy we all have to care what men do for our safety and survival unfortunately i wish that (laughs) we didn't like i'm bisexual and i honestly hate like 99 percent of men but you still kind of have to cater to them to keep yourself safe in public sometimes like you have to be deferential you have to it's fucked up it is very (laughs) but it's like the umbrella under which we all live also, like you created her and you say she's queer, so she is. They're like, I know better than the author. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> I mean, they're allowed to feel what they want, but it's hard not to call out something that's homophobic is homophobic. And that's what that response is. I would hate to be a 16-year-old lesbian who was navigating those kind of systems and then have my whole personhood called into question because I was trying to survive it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's rough, but yeah. Yeah. Georgia as well, she definitely is aware of her physical appearance and the effect that it has on men. And I think, I mean, Cleo, Matthew's wife in the book, says several times, like, the men are the ones who define in our society, in our fucked up right. society, like, what is beautiful and what kind of beauty is valuable and all of that stuff. So she's just moving in this world where that's part of it. And I don't know. I thought it was really fascinating. And I'm mad at this random person on the internet. <laughs> It's not just one. That's the interesting thing. I was like, huh. Somewhere along the line, the conversation surrounding these dynamics got really reductive. Like, come on. Yeah. I don't know. Came here with my little vendetta and I said it on your palate. This is very much the place Yeah, well, I mean, I do think it's important to dismantle that notion. For so long, it never occurred to me that I could be gay because I was so 
operating under a cis heteronormative world patriarchy. It was so influential on how long it took me to come out and to realize these things about myself. And I don't like to see these things undercut because I think they have greater implications. It is infuriating. And as someone who writes adult books, I'll definitely have people question the sexuality of my characters. Like if I have a bisexual character who's primarily in relationships with men on the page, like that gets questioned. But it's not the same as when you're writing for young people where they're still figuring out their identities perhaps and are looking to books that have queer representation in order to learn about themselves and consider their identities. Yeah, that could be really devastating to someone. I don't think it's devastating at any age. I mean, there's such rigid ideas of how we should move through the world and be the people that we are. You're just trying to live your life, write your characters, write what you know to be true about your own experiences, and someone's going, no. Yeah, I mean, I've been questioning uh, the last book, They Never Learn, you know, has a sapphic yeah. romance Love in that it. Book. And Love uh, the book. book got... Sorry, <laughs> I'm interrupting <laughs> you to praise you, but I have to. I said it before the podcast. I just got to say it here, too. I just, I was so clever there. Thank okay. you. <laughs> You're always welcome to interrupt <laughs> me to praise me. I mean, obviously. <laughs> Loved it. But the book I'm writing now, the primary romance is between a man and a woman. And I'm kind of like, are all the people who loved They Never Learn because of the sapphic romance going to be mad at me? And then I'm just kind of like, what can I do? I mean, that's just what this book is about. And my next book, maybe have some other kind of queer representation I don't know yet and I, you just can't second guess it but I, I do. The conversations have expanded and in ways that I think are really critical and they've also narrowed in ways that can be detrimental so constantly something to navigate and it's stressful it's stressful mm-hmm. I mean if publishing isn't stressful enough. <laughs> <laughs> what publishing? No it's so easy. <laughs> We're recording this during the, uh, I should say for like posterity, we're recording this during the DOJ trial about Penguin Random House and Simon. That's been fun to watch. Love those tweet threads. (laughs) Oh God, so angry on the internet. Just lots of screaming. Um, (laughs) But we will not go, we will not go into that. Just for posterity in case people were wondering what we were like. (laughs) We're making faces. We're referencing. We can't see each other's faces, but we know we're making them. Definitely. Okay. Let's talk about the relationship between Georgia and her love interest, Nora, because I thought that was so well done, the way you write about the desire between them. And I feel like I read so many YA books where it doesn't feel like it felt to be a teenager, because like when we're teenagers, we're just like so horny all the time (laughs) and like obsessed with people and like crushes are just devastating and you really tapped into that with the way that Georgia looks at Nora and thinks about her. Georgia's incredibly thirsty for Nora um (laughs) which (laughs) yeah she's I think it was really important for me to have desire equated with she's fully into Nora's body her physique her aesthetic you know she's a girl who loves other girls she's just a lesbian she's into it and I wanted to make sure that was on the page I have had my sexuality question in relation to how I wrote the romance in this novel because of how much the girls want each other and a friend of mine called it soft focus lesbianism that like years of soft focus lesbianism in the media where their female attraction was positioned as existing outside of physical desire has made people feel like it's exploitive to see it when you see it. Like the suggestion that I'm straight because of how I write the female desire feels like it's a consequence of years of that. Yeah, because it's like 
at least back in the 90s yeah, that's or what I mean. whatever like <laughs> you would see these like more carnal depictions of lesbian desire and it was always from the male gaze point of view where it was like performative it was for men it wasn't really for other women and I mean as a queer woman I definitely enjoyed that stuff too but I knew that it wasn't <laughs> aimed at me and now people they're just not used to seeing that more physical desire in a way that's for women that's not this possessive and performative sort of thing but just appreciation Georgia just appreciates yeah. <laughs> Nora and I love how she talks about how she's like sharp and harsh and looks kind of mean because I too am very attracted to right? women it's, it's, <laughs> look kind of mean every time Georgia sees Nora she's like Nora looks terrible I love it you know she's like she's, she's grief-ridden <laughs> yeah. and she's not sleeping and, and you know she looks a little hungry too. wow <laughs> that's always what she's saying about Nora but she likes this hard girl who plays on the volleyball mm-hmm. team with her muscly quads <laughs> relatable <isn't>? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely briefly i'd also like to touch on ashley who is the young girl who's found murdered at the start of the book that kind of kicks off the whole plot because poor ashley i know but you did such a great job of humanizing her and making her a full character even though we don't ever really get to meet her like the scene where georgia goes into her bedroom and everything's the way that Ashley left it like her teddy bears on the bed and her underwear on the floor I mean that was just heartbreaking those details I felt like I knew her even though she wasn't on the page and it went so beyond what usually it's like oh the dead girl who kicks off the plot like she's a real person and I really appreciated that yeah thank you I never want to put a dead body dead female body especially in a book for the sake of having a dead body like that just feels inherently wrong to me yeah and with Ashley the thing that I want to do is I feel like every character has something a little different to say about her. And that was the point. Because who is one thing in their lives? Like, no one. And it is so easy to start getting really reductive about dead female bodies. So, you know, you have Ashley's best friend, Liv, who is a little in love with Ashley and just is fiercely protective of her. And, you know, they're like a little fearsome twosome. And you have Nora, who knows that Ashley's spiraling and is burdened with that kind of responsibility then you get George and Ashley's room and I think George really sees something and she's not always quite making the connection that they have because George doesn't want to see herself as a victim like Ashley became but she can see the want in Ashley and then she goes into Ashley's room and she sees the teddy bear like you said in the poster with the mom on it Ashley's very much missing her mother she's a girl without a mother and that is like a very hurting part of her which drives most of what happens to her and it was just important to me not to have her be any single one thing definitively in the text because it would be and especially at 13 like my god the stuff with ashley like we're so used to seeing female bodies as depicted by men crimes against women as depicted by men and then when we do it ourselves as queer female authors we question everything about it like whenever I have a dead woman in a book or even like consider actually haven't done that yet but I've considered it and kind of talked myself out of it because I'm like oh that's so I don't want to do that and I don't want to and it's like we're the ones who should be doing it if anyone's going to do it because we're going to be thoughtful about how we're presenting this person and it's not just going to be like this dead girl corpse that no one cares about it's going to be somebody who's a character and has like a full life before that and the death impacts people and but yeah I've talked myself out of it so many times because I'm just like oh I don't want to be like that. See that's like the the sign that you won't be like that. It's the people that don't think and agonize about these things that always go out there and then give us the story that we're like 
really? That's the best you could do. And it's the people that are like agonizing over it that could offer something, you know, there's something meaningful to be had there. You should, you should be upset like constantly when you're doing that kind of writing. So like, that's a sign you should do it. If you're upset, do it. Yeah. (laughs) That's your writing advice. It's my whole writing approach. If you're upset, do it. I've been upset for like 14 years. (laughs) Love it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, I would love to talk about, like I mentioned earlier, your whole, I don't want to say your brand. Oh, you can call it a brand. Go ahead. Your your brand, (laughs) which is just like being very bold and outspoken and controversial. And I am so inspired by it, honestly. Mm -hmm. Your social media presence is one of the ones that I look at. And I'm like, yes, Courtney is doing it. You have the good vibe, too. You're out there and you're just like, hey, take it. That's cool. You're doing it. I'm trying. I'm trying for sure. Um, But I loved that thing you did a few years ago. It was like big me energy. That's off my grid now. That was so cool. Yeah, it it was an Instagram moment with the big me energy. And it was like a challenge to do four things. And it was just basically like hyping yourself up. And a lot of people got in on it because people always need encouragement. There always has to be someone who's like, okay, I'm going to do it. And it's okay if you do it. And everyone's like, oh, it's okay if I do it. Okay, I'll do it. So just do it. This is something that women are not encouraged to do, to like hype ourselves up and brag about our work and be proud of ourselves even. Like we're socialized to be kind of like, oh, yeah, I wrote this book. But if you don't like it, that's okay. Or like, don't look at me or whatever. And that's why I'm so inspired by you and the way that you present yourself. Well, publishing also is very cool to be published. And there's a lot to be grateful for. But because it's so hard, there's that overwhelming sense that you should only be grateful all the time for everything. And then when you're a woman and that's like generally how people want women to approach anything anyway it's like wow you're double compounding it so I was just like you know what why would I write a book I didn't want people to read and why would I act like I didn't want them to read it like that that's not appealing I mean my ego might not be appealing to other people but you know if I'm gonna put myself out there for the opinions of anyone I should be at least sure of my own because what else is there well your ego is very appealing to me and I wish more women had that ego and I'm always saying I like women who are a little bit arrogant, like we should be, because we're never going to be arrogant like a mediocre white man, <laughs> like just is born into this world being. It's the same thing. We're, we're going to think about how we're affecting people and the things that we're saying. And we're conscientious humans, but we could stand to have a little, a little ego. I think so. I mean, I think, again, you, if you, like for writers specifically, I'm going to speak to writers because it's what I can speak to. It's like if you sat down and you had the hubris to write a novel and you didn't do it because you want no one to read it. So, like, channel just a little bit of that and tell people Mm -hmm. why you wanted them to read it. You had something to say. That's objectively a beautiful thing. So say it. And don't say sorry first. Just say it. I'm so tired of apologizing. I'm so tired of hearing people. I'm sorry I'm self-promoting. What, on Instagram, the self-promotional platform? It's all promotional. It's all content. Just enjoy yourself and tell people you're great. Amen. I agree. (laughs) We're about running out of time here, so... I guess my next question is, what are you working on now, if you can tell us, or is it a secret? I'm working on myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I yeah, that. <laughs> that's really it, though. I mean, this has been, um, feels like nonstop since Sadie, honestly. So there was Sadie, and there was the project, and right after the project, there was I'm the Girl, and now there's I'm the Girl promo cycle, and it's like, I deserve a nap. You do. So that's what I'm vibing right now. And there's, you know, some ideas in the back of my head. But I'm always like, you must relate to this kind of led by anger. You know, the thing that's just, yeah. yeah. So it's like right now, I'm still angry about all the stuff that fueled on the girl. So once that works, it's well, it won't ever totally work its way out of my system. Once I something else that makes me angry sort of 
start sharing space with it, I'll have a new idea, I'm sure. But right now, I'm just in a mm-hmm. suspended state of a certain kind of rage <laughs> as it relates <laughs> to my promo cycle. Yeah, the book I'm writing now, I'm trying to like write based, I mean, it's still kind of angry, like, let's be <laughs> real, but I'm trying to write based on more like joy and things that bring me pleasure. What's and that like? I'm like, yeah. who am I? I don't know. It's strange. Like, it's just bizarre every day. I'm having fun, but I will see. I like that. Like, it could make someone feel good. So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes it makes me feel good. So I don't know. It doesn't feel normal, but I mean, I'm still angry just in general at the world. And then I'm going to write a second Scarlett <gasps> Clark novel after this. So I'll like cycle back. Okay. 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 You will write me. I'm <laughs> pretending that's for me and me alone. Okay. That'll motivate me to do it. Honestly, I'll be like, Courtney's waiting. I am waiting. That was <laughs> fucking good. Oh, I was just, oh man, I don't want to ruin it, but I just want to say why it's clever. It was so... You know when you just read good craft and like the little hairs on your arms stand up and you're like, there's someone who knows what they're doing. And he, and it's just like such a good moment. That's what that was like for me when I was reading it. Ah, thank yeah. you. I got the oh, little chills so to hear. and everything. And it's hard. Like, do you find that like as a published author, it just sort of changes your relationship with reading? Yeah. yeah. So like when you do fully immerse into a book, you're like, oh, God, yes. This is the thing. This is what I love. This is why I want to go out there and do what I'm doing. It's because I can make other people feel like how this is making me feel right now. So it's just so nice. Yeah, that was a moment with your book that I had, and I was grateful for it. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That is, oh, that that really is going to motivate me to write this (laughs) sequel. (laughs) I'm waiting. I'm ready. Wait, so you haven't started it yet. I have an outline, but I haven't written any of it yet. I've been waiting until I'm done with this. This joyful novel. Which has taken me for years this, the joyful <laughs> one so many years yeah okay well what if no <laughs> <laughs> i'm almost done with it don't worry i mean i'll tell you whatever next lane book i can get but i'm just like what if <laughs> just for a minute it's you the- write a whole other novel right now <laughs> Right now. This right now. <laughs> the other one, I don't know why, like, I keep saying it's joyful, but it's like a adaptation of Wuthering Heights. <laughs> like, so fucking messy. That's what I think we is joyful. Just, oh, my God. Okay, this is, like, we're so alike. I love it. Like, the things that I take joy in, it's just, like, you know, like, did it, did it make you miserable? Did it, like, really hurt? Did it make you tense? Did it make you clench your jaws? Like, that's my happy place. Where yeah. you want to, like, like, yeah. like Wuthering Heights is one of those, like, I'm going to bite my knuckles and scream into them kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm having a great time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it brings you joy, but it's not like joyful. It's just the thing that's bringing you joy. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's like more motivated by like angst and like angst emotion. Angst is great. Than angst is valid. Yeah. yeah. Angst is yeah. anger adjacent. Okay. So that's true. You're that's still true. you're still in why. the right wheelhouse. <laughs> and that and then you know okay. you've got something simmering with the next Scarlet book, like you know. You got a little build to a boiling point. So I can respect this weight now, I guess. Yeah, I started adding to a file, like, when I would see men who annoy me <laughs> on TV or whatever. Like, I was watching this um, episode of House Hunters. And oh, my this God. Really smarmy realtor. And I was just like, Scarlet's going to kill a man like him. And I, like, wrote it down. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. That is my – okay, that's my favorite thing that I've heard today, quite honestly. Yeah, I just, like – I just picture you walking through the streets with, like, a little notebook. Like, huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just watching for and a red pen, in a fictional way, not really. <laughs> right, wink, wink. Uh, well, it's been such a delight to talk to you. This has brought this me has joy. brought me joy too. <laughs> this is like such a fun little break up in with the rhythm of these long summer days. 
And I can't wait to see what you write next when the anger builds to a point where you're ready to, but you definitely deserve a nap after Thank this you. promo cycle. I just needed someone to say that to me. <laughs> <laughs> Could you tell the listeners where they can find you on the internet? They can check me out on my website, CourtneySummers.ca, or they can follow me on Instagram, SummersCourtney, or they can subscribe to my newsletter, the link to which is on my website. They can just Google me. And your newsletter is one of my favorites that I like actually read instead of Oh my of God, just, thank you. That, like, that is, no, that's like a super, super good compliment. I read your newsletter, but I actually read your newsletter. That's my favorite compliment, actually. <laughs> Those are, yeah, that's yeah. hard to grab people with a newsletter. I'm just thinking about the way that I read newsletters right now. I'd hate to meet myself. What kind of <laughs> note was that to end on? The perfect one? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think that's good. Awesome. Well, I'm the girl will be out in stores at the time this airs. And thank you so much, thank Courtney. You, this was so cool. That's it for this episode of Unlikable Female Characters. Don't forget to subscribe. And you can also follow us on Twitter at UnlikableFCPod for updates, book recommendations, and angry feminist rants. Our website is unlikablefemalecharacters.com and we're also on Instagram at unlikablefemalecharacters. Thanks for listening.